My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Basha here. Today we have a super exciting guest, Bryce Prescott. He runs a full-service podcasting consultation and production company. He's also the host of Media Automated, where self-improvement meets business excellence podcast. Welcome to the show, Bryce. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Basha, for having me. This is exciting. Likewise, it's a pleasure to have you. We're going to have some great conversation. We'll cover what's working, your podcast, your challenges, and your goals. And I'm sure within that conversation alone, we'll have some great takeaways. Before we jump in, do you mind telling us a bit about your story and where you are today? Sure. Uh, I've been running my company, Media Automated, for the last, uh, well, it's coming up on five years pretty soon. Um, but me getting into podcasting was, uh, it was, I was trying to figure out a problem that I was experiencing. I had just been in the commodities world. Um, in my past lives, I've done real estate investings. I ran an equity firm um, that I owned. Uh, we did thousands of REOs uh, back in the day when there was a credit crisis and mortgage, the the previous <laughs> mortgage uh, problems that were happening in late 2000s. Um, from there, uh, I got into commodities and uh, I took my book of business and the context that I had, thinking that I could do well in that business. And it basically turned me broke. Like I burned through all my money. I traveled the world trying to broker all these amazing deals. And when I got into podcasting, it was actually... Um, kind of out of necessity. I was sitting in a bar in Sao Paulo, Brazil. I was drunk. I had a steak in my belly and I was pissed because we had just been hoodwinked by a group of Asian businessmen that had, we had flown them out to Sao Paulo to see product for a deal we were trying to put together. And we found out that they were there to see other people and they ended up buying from other people. And it had costed me to the tune of about 30,000 bucks, the, this, uh, this little hoodwink. And I thought to myself, I was having this kind of drunk moment of introspection where I realized I didn't know anything. I thought I knew business. I thought I knew relationships. I thought I knew how to do all the stuff when it came to, you know, networking. And I, I didn't. And podcasting became the thing where I started seeing that, well, I could start a podcast. I could talk to people. I wouldn't have to pay them. I can give them something of value in return for a conversation. So I came home and I started my very first podcast then. And fast forward several years, I came, became somewhat known as the guy to ask the podcast questions to when anybody had questions on how to start or what to do or what to whatever, um, they'd call me. And I got some really good advice from a friend where he's like, you should really charge for that. You should create a program. You should create a curriculum. You should do that. So I started kind of inching into that. I first started just producing episodes for people and it was on the side at the time I was trying to do consulting and there was a couple other projects I had going with investing and they were limping along, but podcasting things started taking, getting some traction. And uh, I realized that in our world of podcasting, there's a lot of people that are great at it, that don't have the bandwidth or the time to go through all the things that you and I might do where we do some, you know, we learn on our own or we, we go to YouTube university to figure out how to solve a problem with audio or, or we're, you know, asking people like, what do we do? I became the source. I was the one that they were asking. So I started taking money for it. And next thing you know, here we are, all these years later, and I've been able to develop an incredible book of business. Uh, we're producing a little over 50 episodes per week for different entrepreneurs. I consult on two or three new build outs every month, and it's become something really gratifying. So 
podcasting has also shown me a different side of just entrepreneurship in that when you do it right, you can elevate yourself above the fray and you can build a following. You can create a cause that's based in the future that people can buy into. You can create an identity for the people that follow you. And so I've somewhat acted like the guinea pig for um, my clients in that. Like I've had several podcasts over the years. That first podcast that I referenced was called Rules of Success. And I ran it for several hundred episodes. It had millions of downloads by the time I shut it down. I transitioned into comedy at that point. I got the hankering about four years ago to try stand-up. And I, I immediately made a podcast chronicling my journey as an open micer into opening for famous comedians, into headlining myself. And that actually gave me leverage when I would go to uh, get new gigs because I could, I could fill seats. I could sell tickets because there were people that were interested in my comedy. And so I started seeing the leverage of that. And it all just kind of formulated into this thing where I'm like, okay, I get it. I need to start teaching people how to really maximize this and then take those duties off their plate so that they can go do the things that they're good at. And that's what was the start of Media Automated, which as a side note, it was once called Audio Automated, but we've expanded into video assets and other aspects of social media. So we call it media now. Um, but it's just been a fun thing. My story in that, though, is that I've, I've always been a perpetual student. I really enjoy learning. Um, I, I, there's something that's powerful about the art of articulating an idea for somebody to grab onto and helping them transition into some other place of understanding. Podcasting is a great educational tool. It's a great entertainment tool. It's a great tool to make money with. And I'm just always looking to kind of push the envelope and figure out how to do the best of all those things. And if I suck at it, I'll start over. <laughs> I love it. I love the resiliency that you're, you're bringing into this though. I want to know, so you've been doing this for how many years now? So my first podcast I started in 2013. So okay. it's been a decade. So what were some of the biggest mistakes that you made when you first started? I got this arrogance about my skills as a podcaster and it kind of strangled my business. I thought because I had, I had done all the work to learn how to edit and how to craft a narrative and how to create an arc of uh, topics and things so that there was an interesting weaving between episodes and whatnot. And I overproduced my first hundred episodes by a mile. I didn't realize the power of outsourcing, of having people that um, might be better than me at certain things, pay them mm -hmm. to do that so it could take it off my plate. Uh, I also thought small for a lot of the beginning where I didn't realize I, I looked at my little podcasting side business as the band-aid. It's like, I really want to do these other things, but this thing right here could actually like just kind of help me limp along. Not realizing that the signs were there, that podcasting was going to become a massive thing in our culture. And uh, I look back and I realize that I could have been at the level that I'm at now years ago, had I had any sort of vision. So I, I, thought small, my mindset sucked. I was going through a bunch of things that made it so that I, I just, I, I wasn't willing to think bigger about it. And I don't really have many regrets, but I wish I would have done that a little differently. One of the things that I always tell people when we start new shows or we're consulting on them is I say, you need to dream big on this. Like we, we need to develop you as a host into somebody that could handle a massively successful show. And like, I don't know if it's going to be, I'm like, no, no, no. Like we got to prepare you for it because it will happen if we prepare you for it just by the nature of how the universe works. I didn't, I didn't live that 
back then. I do now, but I didn't live it back then. So what were some of the biggest mindset, I guess, switches that you had to make? I had to feel worthy of being listened to. Mm. I had to think that I had something interesting to say and that uh, why I was doing it was for other people. One of the biggest mistakes I see other podcasters make is they make a show for them. They think, I've got this great idea. I want to do this. I'm going to have my buddy come on, whatever. And there's no thought given to actually who might listen to it. And because of their short-sighted vision of it, that's okay in those moments. And so they go through all the work and the, everything to start their show and then nobody listens to it. And it becomes very, very frustrating because once you get in and you're starting to do all the work of what it takes to manage your show and to create and to plan and to connect and all that, then you're like, oh, wait, I, I think I kind of want somebody to listen to this. Nobody has that conversation with themselves up front. They're mm -hmm. bombarded with the work and the uh, the idea of what their I, what their podcast could be for them. Like they're doing it for them. And, and usually it's, it's based in some sort of insecurity. Like they want validation for their idea or for their thoughts or whatever. And so they make a show thinking it's for other people, but it's really for them. And then when it comes down and that mindset shift happens and they realize, oh, this is for other people is too late because the show sucks and nobody wants to listen to it because it was built wrong from the beginning. Very interesting. So I want to know, because you are at the seven-figure level now, what were some of the biggest challenges, and I guess we can go over mindset shifts too, that you went through going from the six-figure level to the seven-figure level? Well, the difference between those two levels is really just marketing. Like the skill sets are the same. The workload is pretty much the same. You have to learn to manage differently because to be at a, you know, even a even at a higher six figure level, you still have to you have a team like you manage personalities and you manage output and you have to be able to handle that and then still be the one responsible for it as you're forward facing to the client. I was really reluctant to get into that space. I th one of the biggest breakthroughs that I had in my business that caused a really big leap was when I hired my very first engineer. Before I did that, it was me that did everything. I did the copywriting. I did the producing. I did everything, the promotion, the all of the stuff. And I realized that subconsciously I was sabotaging my own success because if I wanted to make more money and have more clients, it quite literally meant I had to work more and I didn't want to work more. And it was a pretty serendipitous event when I hired my first engineer. It was a buddy of mine that uh, had an experience where he needed work. He had this thing happening and it was really unfortunate. And he's like, dude, I, I need something. What can you do? What can you, can you help me? And I had had, I had, a, had an income and I was swamped. I'm like, I can, I can teach him how to do this, I guess. But kind of going back what we talked to about before, like I had this arrogance that I couldn't teach anybody else to produce at the level. Like my, my reputation at the time was uh, the best audio quality ever in podcasting. And it was because I was just a little wizard behind the scenes trying to tweak everything and edit and make it so it worked. And I had to let go of those reins when I was teaching this new person because I thought he's never going to be as good as me. Well, the beautiful thing that happened is that he's just as good as me, but I still know enough to where he can't pull anything over on me. And he's helped me with other engineers as I've hired along the way more. So that was a, a massive thing. People are very scared to invest back in their business, especially when you start to get a little stability. 
you know, the arc of an entrepreneur is most of the time it usually includes some sort of struggle where you're broke or you're trying to figure it out and you're trying to make it work, but you have this idea and you want to do it. And it's, you have a proven model. You've got people to pay you money for things. It's just hasn't been consistent enough or, or over at the level that you want. And as you get into that and then you get a little bit of breathing room when you make a little bit more money, it's a difficult move sometimes for people to want to put that back in and buy hire more employees or to expand your team or expand your services. Um, Anytime I hear people that are in that space, I, I, I feel for them because it's like they're looking into this fog and they don't know, but quite literally the moment that you hire your first employee, everything will change in your business mm -hmm. because you will start to be able to see, oh, I can work on my business now, not just in it, but on it. And I tell you what, it's one of the most gratifying experiences to be like, I don't want to deal with this and to hand it off to a capable yes. trained employee. So, and that's a mindset shift. Sometimes people can't handle that. Like they, they need so much validation of their own importance in their own skill set that they're unwilling to share in that. But the irony is that your, your life is so much better when you are managing as opposed to doing. And Absolutely. it's a different, it's a different skill set. It's a different mindset to manage people too. Some people really stink at it. They don't know how to manage employees and manage, you know, they want to be their friend and they want to, they want to have their be, uh, like this big sort of family, which I, I'm all about that. You want to have like a really cohesive group of people that your team is for your business, but you have to maintain certain boundaries so that if it came time to make a tough decision relative to somebody on your team, you can do it. And it's not like you're, you know, <laughs> canceling your dad or something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so you, you touched on it earlier and that was a good few minutes ago now, but what are some of your favorite, um, marketing tips and tricks that you'd like to share with the audience? I actually, it's funny that you bring this up, Basha, cause I just recorded the most recent episode of media automated about this. Mm -hmm. I love teaching people on how to be cult leaders. Like people don't, and it's not in a negative way, okay. but there is a psychology associated with building a following and building influence. And it's very simple. It's four parts and you can use it on in your social media influence. You can use it with your podcast. You can use it in, in there's not a single industry job product or service that this doesn't work if you apply it properly. Now I'm not trying to teach people how to be David Koresh or Hitler or anything like that, but there's a, when, when you figure it out, it actually really causes people to become magnetized to you and your product and service. And, I can share the four parts if you want me to. I can give a little, do. little yeah. uh, Cliff Notes version of here. Okay, so here's, if you want to build a cult, you want to be a cult leader, I got you. Here we go. So the first part of being a cult leader and having a cult following, which let's be honest, in business, it's a movement. It's, it's people that are really engaged in what you're doing. You have to have a charismatic, attractive figure at the head of it. So you've got to have a, a leader and that leader has to be authentic. Anybody that you look around at that is people that you follow, they have authenticity, they're charismatic, they're attractive, and it's not physical in those ways. It's really energetic. They're, you can tell that they're speaking truth. They're not lying. And they're that you look at Apple and Steve Jobs. You look at, you know, entrepreneurs like Ed Milet. You look at, th these are attractive, charismatic leaders. They know how to speak and they know how to pull you in because of what they say in a way that's true. So that's the first thing. You got to be willing to lead. You got to position yourself as a leader as an attractive, charismatic, energetically attractive and charismatic leader. The second part is that you have to have a cause that's based in the future that people can buy into. Mm -hmm. So a future-based cause. 
So what would that mean? So basically, any time if you look at the the six uh, core human needs that are you know basically the things that we strive for in our in our life, they're quite simply um, there. We need certainty, we need var- variety, we need significance, we need connection, we need growth, and we need contribution. Like if we could be a part of things that bring those to us, we want to. And so if you can develop as a part of your group a cause based in the future that provides those things, that provides them with um, growth and contribution and love and variety or certainty or people will engage. They will want to be a part of it. And they feel like they're working towards something into the future. Um, The third thing that you need is you need a name for your followers. And it's bigger than just having a name for your followers. It's in that you need to provide the people that are interested in you an identity shift. They need to associate with you differently. So, for example, um, are you familiar with uh, Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels? Okay. So, Russell Brunson tells a story about this where he talks about when he started calling people funnel hackers. And he would give out these t-shirts that said funnel hacker on it. That things really changed in his business model because it gave people a chance to be identified as something. And then he built this manifesto that was basically like, this is what a funnel hacker is. And you had a new set of tenants that were your identity that was associated with this new thing. And it's, it's the same psychology that makes people, you know, be a fan of a sports team. It's politics. It's fans of celebrity. It's like you're, there's an identity associated with the really good ones. There's an identity associated with what they provide and you being associated with them. Um, And the fourth thing that you need is uh, an enemy. You need somebody to throw stones at because that fortifies further this identity shift. Because if you can say, well, we're over here and we're good or we're this or we're that and they're over there and they're not, it provides cohesion to the people that follow you. So very interesting. I, I recommend anybody that does social media, like with, with, with comedy, it's it's so funny to me because as a as a stand up comic, you know one of my favorite comedians is a guy by the name of Cristalia. I don't know if you know who Cristalia is or not, but he's become a friend over time because of uh, associations with different people. He follows this to the T. His podcast, he has he's the guy, he's the leader. The followers of his his fans are called the True Babies. The future-based causes, he has this joke about how we're going to all go live in the log cabin and we're going to hang out in the tall grass and share ideas. And it's like this thing we're working towards in the future, which if you break down the funniness of what he's saying, he's offering belonging. Mm -hmm. And then there's the enemy is the kudas, which is a nickname of a barracuda, which if you know anything about barracudas, the fish, they're very easily distractible. And they're the people that just follow the shiny things. He makes fun of, you know, the really kind of popular things like Coachella and stuff like that, because people just do it because it's supposed to be cool and not because they actually want to go spend three days in the desert. So it works. I mean, you look at Christianity, it looks, any of the politics, it all works. Those four parts are undeniable. So we can maximize that in a benevolent way if we really want to create a fan base or create fans to our podcast or our social media or whatever we're doing. So that is so interesting. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. I'm just like the only example, I know that it's so stupid, but I'm thinking Taylor Swift and Taylor Swift. Swifties, right? Swifties. Yeah. And I don't know who the enemy is in that scenario. Well, here, this is the beautiful thing is that the enemy doesn't whatever have to be a person. She, whatever man she just broke up with. Well, no, 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 no. The enemy doesn't have to be a person. The enemy could be an idea. So mm. the enemy can be like complacency or, you know, playing small or, I mean, as example. So like, I don't know enough about uh, 
the Swifties mantra. I don't either. I'm sure, just... I'm sure there's something there that like they identify with. Like we do this differently. And yeah. she's of course the charismatic leader. Very interesting. Very mm -hmm. interesting. Thank you for that. Of course. So oh, we are already almost running out of time. So let's go ahead and let's cover your podcast. Okay. Um, what was the intention behind starting it? Let's start with that. To, it's, it's beautiful that we just talked about the whole cult stuff because my intention with that was to create a community of people that understood the intersection between self-development, self-improvement, mindset, and the importance of those things, and then the, I'll call them the outer world principles of business excellence. That we understand that on one side, you have to have, you, you got to have your head on straight. You got to have a growth-based mindset. You've got to understand that if it is to be, it's up to me, even though I need support and I need community and I need these other things for my own good, I'm the ultimately the one that makes a decision about that. And then empowering those guys and those followers and those you know listeners with opportunities to fine tune their strategy when it comes to business excellence. Like I shared with you before, the difference between six and seven figures is just marketing and team at that point. But marketing is a big one. You don't, invest in marketing until you think you need to. And then when you get more lead flow than you, than you anticipate, you have to build your team. So there, it's a chicken or the egg thing there. But I, I really wanted an opportunity to do that. It was a place where I didn't have to be because it's, it's, it's a formal podcast, but I'm, I'm not super buttoned up on it. Um, it. It helps me get business. I use it as a lead magnet because the work that I do as the founder of Media Automated and the things we do in consulting with new builds and stuff have a direct line to creating a show that will actually do what you want the show to do, namely solve problems for people and give them a reason to come back and then have there be associated revenue with that. So like people ask how they can make money with their podcasts. I, I show them how to do that and, and on this show. Um, and uh, plus it keeps my chops good with speaking because it's a one-man show. I haven't had any guests on it. Mm. So it's, it's an opportunity for me to take an idea, be articulate about it, say it into the world, and then I use the content for all over the place. But There's something that you touched on that I want to go into a little bit. So sure. I'm sure that you know a little bit about what we do. If you've sure. done any research at all. But what are some of your favorite tips that you give your clients for making money off of their podcast? Um. Well, there's the two sides of that. Like there's obviously like affiliate or sponsorship type stuff, which is a, it's a, it's a headier game than most want to admit. You've got to, there's, there's way more lucrative ways to make money on podcasting. And that is basically to design some sort of thing that's associated with your show that your fans can buy as a reward for doing well. So whether it be merch, whether it be information products, whether it be consulting opportunities, like for me, how my, my podcasts throughout the years have both indirectly and directly been what's fueled my business because they'll get a taste of me. They'll get a taste of my mindset, my ideas, my experiences. They'll see if they like me or not. And if they don't, they go away. But if they do, they'll hint along and then I'll have a, an ask, a call to action. Like, hey, if this worked, go here and it will allow them to then connect with me outside of that. Um, that's something I think is really, really important is that you have some sort of ancillary revenue stream that's attached in identity to your podcast that allows, you know, to talk about that cult following stuff, it allows people to increase their connection to you. Their dedication to the, all the, above, to the yes. cult. <laughs> to the cult. Yeah. The cult of your show. Well, and, and 
I want to make sure I'm clear. Like we're lit we're not talking about building cults here. Like I'm not, you yeah. know, <laughs> but culture, building a culture and building a group, like it's the same thing. We're just being more playful with the word and just using the first part of it. Right. Exactly. We're not having secret meetings underground no, or anything. There's no handshakes here. I don't think anyway. <laughs> we'll go over that at one more down here. Okay. <laughs> You're not supposed to say that. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> All right, Bryce, thank you so much for coming on the show. If you had to leave what's one piece of advice for anybody who's listening, who wants to start a podcast, wants to be an entrepreneur or is already an entrepreneur, what would it be? <sighs> well, just do it. The, the, the effect that it has on you as an individual is worth it. Even if you start a show and you crash and burn, you're better for it in the end. And I'm a, I'm a big proponent and believer that we can't get, we, we cannot escape the requirement to continuously grow. If we try to stop growing, our world will fall around us and we'll be forced to grow. <laughs> so exactly. we might as well be ambitious and, allow ourselves to not stay stagnant and just to continue to reach for that next level. And so just do it in spite of fear, in spite of apprehension, imposter syndrome, all the things, just go do it because it'll, you will rise to the occasion as you do it with commitment. Absolutely. Thank you so much. If anybody's looking to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to find you? Uh, it's pretty simple. You can go to my website, which is mediaautomated.com. Or if you're on social, I, I'm on Instagram. It's pretty much everything is my name, just at Bryce Prescott on Instagram or at Media Automated on Instagram. On Twitter, it's at D Bryce Prescott, which is my first initial. Um, I haven't been on Facebook as much anymore, but there's just Google me. You'll find me. <laughs> Super All easy. right. Once again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Basha. It was great. Thank you. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur and would like to come on the show, please visit top100interview.com. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.